You're listening to Rolling Toe with trucking experts Kevin and Mike Beckett. This is the show where you ask the questions and we give you the diagnosis on how to get the most out of your truck. We'll talk about avoiding wear and tear, knowing your suspension and axles, and how to get more mileage from your tires. We're on the audio road. Let's get rolling. Hello, this is Mike. And this is Kevin. And we're here to talk about alignments and tire wear and answer your questions and see if we can figure out where the heck you're calling from by your area codes. This is our ongoing game to see if we can learn anything. Last week, we had a nice discussion. And this week, we're going to try and talk about drive axle and toe alignments. Now, if we're not going to use caster and camber to control the direction the truck moves, we find it's more effective to use the drive axle. Now, consider an outboard motor on an outboard boat. When the motor is aimed to the left, steers to the right. Aim it straight ahead, the boat goes straight ahead. On flat ground, a truck will do the same thing. However, we do not drive on flat ground. In North America, we tend to drive on the right side of a crowned road. In other words, the road slopes to the right, and because of the effects of gravity, the truck wants to pull to the right. Now back to the outboard motor example. If you're crossing a current flow like a stream, if the flow is from your left, you have to aim the motor slightly to the right, to push the nose of the craft into the current in order to cross the stream. On a single drive axle vehicle, the same rule applies. Aim the drive axle very slightly to the right, and the front of the vehicle will push up against the crown of the road to counter the downhill effect of gravity. Aim it too far to the right, and the vehicle pull to the right because now the drive force is now pushing in the same direction as the force of gravity. We've found there are four drive settings on a single drive axle vehicle. Aim it left, and you get a right pull. Aim it straight, and you get a right pull. Aim it slightly to the right, and it drives straight. Aim it too far to the right, and the vehicle pulls to the right again. Tandem drive axle vehicles have another force that needs to be taken into account. This is the scrub angle between the drive axles, which creates a force that must be addressed. Ideally, we would like to set both drive axles perfectly parallel to each other and slightly to the right. However, in the real, real world, this is virtually impossible. They're held in position with rubber bushings and airbags while under 17,000 pounds of weight per axle and transferring the horsepower from the engine to the road. They have rubber bushings and airbags that give a little bit under this torque. And depending on the model of suspension that give or the flex or compression of the support components can allow large or small changes to the alignment of the dynamic conditions. <clears throat> Since I cannot be confident the axles will remain perfectly aligned to each other, we find that setting a slight scrub angle between them is more effective. I gotta turn the page, hold on. By aiming the front drive axle slightly to the left and the rear drive axle slightly to the right, we create this scrub angle or cone between the drive axles. It causes the vehicle to push up against the crown of the road and counter the gravitational effect of the slope of the road. An example of this is a tapered styrofoam coffee cup. Lay it on its side and roll it, and the cup will roll in the direction of the smaller end of the cup. 
Similarly, by keeping the narrow gap between the drive axles on the left side of the vehicle, the force created by the scrub angle assists in fighting the effects of gravity. None of the settings were used are outside of factory spec, and we avoid the issues associated with camber and caster adjustments, which we discussed last week. One point on drive axle alignment. Drives need to be centered under the frame when measured from side to side. Like our old friend, the outboard motorboat, if the motor is mounted off-center, the drive force will be off-center, and the push will drive the vehicle in the opposite direction. 70% of steer tires issues we see are related to drive axle alignment. This means that the most important alignment setting you make with a, is with a drive axle, where most of the weight and all the horsepower is located. Okay, that's a drive axle discussion. What do you think okay. about alignment, Kev? I think about alignment. I think it's the yeah. most important. Uh, what's that? Yeah, I think it's the most important thing that we discuss. <laughs> I said we were going to talk about toe in this discussion, and I just realized I spent the whole time talking about drive axles, and I never discussed toe. So let's no talk a little bit about toe. Yeah, I read right. the whole thing. There was no toe in there. Okay. <laughs> Toe is oh, wow. important, too, because it's affected by the play that's in the front end of all normal condition trucks. With a little play in a tie rod end joint, a little play in a kingpin and a wheel bearing, you can get significant toe changes as you drive the vehicle straight ahead and the drag pulls on the steer tires and sets the play. Most vehicles okay. are aligned on turn plates. And after it's relaxed on turn plates, then it's jacked up and the wheels are, instruments are mounted or you pinstripe the tire. They set it back on the turn plates and they measure a relaxed. That's not how the vehicles drive. And the minute you drive off that alignment rack with the turn plates, the toe changes, sometimes a little, sometimes quite a bit. We find the average toe coming off the turn plates is towed out. 60% of them coming off the turn plates are actually towed out when they were correct on the turn plates. This is another major alignment concern that we have, and it affects a lot of tire work. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, I don't know. I hope that the only issues that we're having are here on my end. And when I connect this next caller, uh, the first guy with a question here, that you and he will both be able to hear each other just fine. This is what we're going to try as we, as mechanics, try to run a radio show. All right. What's what's his phone area code? His this area code is nine one eight. Nine one eight. Nine one eight. I'm going to try Texas. This is our guess. Where are you Hello. from? Hello, Oklahoma. Oh, Hello. Oh. Hello. Hello. Can you hear Hello. me? Yeah, there's going to be a bit of a delay between the two of you because you're both calling in and then hearing each other. So accept that, and we'll see if we can get this question answered. All right, Kevin, uh-huh. you go ahead and ask the questions. All right, what's your question, sir? Uh, yes, I have uh, your book, and 
I was reading them, and in the end, you talk about the different configurations of rear ends and everything by whether they're a pack car or a freight liner and whether they're a Hendrix or, or a, a, the different systems. But you don't talk about the adjustment and how to adjust the different ones. Do you guys have a book or uh, uh, some type of uh, guide to go by where you can can uh, see how to adjust the different rear ends? In that same book, if you get to the uh, rear end discussion, I'm, I'm opening the book up now to try and find. I put the. Um, where is uh, pictures? You remember that book? I don't remember what page it was, but that book was written 20 years ago. And most of the suspensions that are in it aren't even used anymore. So, yeah, yeah it, you know. You go, it, Kevin, you want to go to page 110 okay. in okay. the book. And in the book on 110, it shows you one where the suspension bolts up with two bolts. And it's illustration number 103. Is that still on 110 in your book, or have we modified the book that that's not there now? I couldn't tell you. I'm running down the road, so my books are okay. up top, not safe to okay. look at. <laughs> okay, well, well that's that. fine. What it, what it shows you is that some suspensions, the main component bolting to the spring hanger, will have two bolts, and you can stick shim. Some components that bolt up, the all has a... And have an offset in a washer, an eccentric, and you turn. Yes. If, yes you, if you look at the, if you look at the suspension, you'll generally be able to find that point where it's bolted on. You can't find it. You can take a picture of your suspension, send it to us, and we'll respond to you with where you would adjust that particular suspension. Yep. Okay. Uh, now. Uh, the second question I have, I have a freight liner, and you talk about the uh, the bags having a tendency to, to uh, uh, for a better term, tow in. And uh, I understand that when you loosen the U-bolt, you're able to line it, straighten it back up, and then tighten your U-bolt back. Would a man be a, ahead of the game to take him a piece of... Uh, channel iron and go ahead and when he knows what's right get the measurement drill his channel iron and basically do like a Hendrix or some of the other suspensions and have a bar that runs across that will hold the bottom of them airbags in place and they won't move. Okay. That's a marvelous idea to keep the airbags looking straight but it does nothing to keep the U-bolts tight. And then that visual indicator that you problem. In fact, the freight liner suspension has a stretcher bar across. And you never know that the U-bolts are loose because everything looks right all the time. Okay. In fact, the international suspension that does look just like the freight liner, they actually feel like it's looser when they're driving 
and it may be because the the airbags can't uh, uh, apply their own pressure to the the U-bolts or the suspension by leaning in. Okay, so basically what you're saying is the airbag tilting like that is like the canary in the coal mine. It gives you the, the clue that you have a problem to go ahead and fix it before it gets bad. Right, that's correct. And the second part okay. of that is we recommend that every, about every 50,000 miles, whatever service interval you have close to 50,000 miles, you should have somebody go underneath there with a big three-quarter-inch gun and just tighten the heck out of those U-bolts and make sure they stay tight. That sounds good. That's somebody's me. Nobody else touches my truck. Yeah, there I, don't, you go. I run too many miles to put my life in somebody else's. Chad done an excellent job on my front end, and it made me decide I wanted your books, and now I'm going to try to learn how to do it myself. I've run 200,000 miles since he's done it, and just wonderful, wonderful job. I appreciate your knowledge and really glad to have your books. And if you come out with more, sure would be glad to have them. Thank you for your or for your time, and I'll let you go. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, I put him back on the hold queue, and we've got a number more callers here. <clears throat> including this one here from the 720 area code. You got a guess where that's going to be from, Mike? Oregon. Oregon? All right. I'm going to go with Oregon, too. Colorado. Uh, can I... Colorado. <laughs> well, they, they look similar. They're square-ish. <laughs> well, hi, guys. Thanks for doing the show tonight. Well, thank you for calling. And what's your question, sir? I have, I have a frame question I'm hoping maybe you can help me with. Okay. Um, it's a Freightliner Classic 2001 with a Detroit. And uh, going over the bell housing, there is a flat piece of metal that goes across uh, and ties the two frame rails together. It doesn't appear to be structural to me. It's got holes drilled in it, and it has a wiring harness uh, going over the, you know, the bell housing. Is that mm-hmm. something I can permanently remove? So you're, you're you're stepping about four feet outside of my area of expertise, but that's just a, a flat bar, right? It is just flat. I believe it's quarter inch steel, and it is just flat, and it's sort of uh, has like a very wide U shape to it. Okay, here's the risk. The radiator mounted at the front of the frame hooks the two frame rails together and has enough bracket to it to try to keep the frame rails vertical relative to each other. Then the motor mounts are at the back of the engine, which is only tying the bottom of the frame rails together, correct? Um... Let me see. I'm working on the truck right now. My motor mounts uh, really appear to bolt into the center of the frame rail. Okay. Then Fairly center. I suspect that plate is an attempt to keep the top of the frame rails from falling away from each other because the 
the motor mount bolts into the middle, but it really kind of drops down, and the engine's bolted down below the frame, isn't it? Well, the rubber biscuit of the, the motor mount, the rubber part, is actually about mid-center of the frame. Okay. It's, it's a risk because it doesn't have enough strength to really be a cross member, but it could be a stretcher trying to keep the top of the frame rails in the same spot. Now, the, nothing else bolts to it but a wiring harness. Um, correct. It is bolted to the, it, it is uh, bolted right there where the motor mounts are, and it it is mm-hmm. bolted to the two perches that the cab mounts sit on. Um, but again, it just, it doesn't appear that it would have enough structural, I mean, maybe it would help, but it just seems like it's, it's too weak and that it would flex going down the road. Well, I don't have an opinion on that. And guess what? We lost Mike. So I guess I'm going to have to tell you, um, I don't, I, I'm having a terrible time hearing everybody. And I think it's my connection. I hope everybody else isn't hearing what I am because it just sounds terrible. But, um, based on what I did hear of what you were saying, uh, there's Mike again. Hold on. Let me get him live. Okay. Is this you again? Mike, is that you again? I'm here. He's here. All right. Um, well, as, as I had said, I don't, uh, from what I heard, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other whether it keeps it. Okay. Is there a reason why you just leave it there? Okay. Um, if if I were to remove it, what would I look for uh, negative uh, consequences? First, top of the prayer, moving of the engine to the end. That would be a that would be a problem. The wiring harness, I really don't care about. Right. Okay, I didn't hear the first part. <laughs> okay, you with the two frameworks right, me... each other. All right. Yes. Um, is everybody still there? I'm still Colorado's here. here. Okay, in Colorado, how are you hearing Mike? How does he sound? He is breaking up very badly. Breaking up pretty badly? Okay. Yeah. Um, right. And I'm, I'm not... For show. Kevin? What's that again? Kevin, I'm going to just listen. You're going to handle the show unless you get something I can't handle. You can't handle. You know what? I'm having a worse time hearing everybody than he is hearing you. So if so you're I'm okay with... I'm... What's that? Yeah, but I'm breaking up to him, so I'm going to hang up and see if the, if you get better when I'm not inferior with the show. Now you're okay. you're perfectly clear, Mike. Now I'm perfectly clear? Mike is. Okay. All right, we're All going right. to try at least one more caller after this. Is, your, is that the question you had, or do you have another one? That was my one and only question. Okay. All right. I then we're, we're going to... 
Go talk to a frame guy. Yeah. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to at least one more caller, and uh, if it, if it works for if it works for him, and he can hear Mike, and I can hear him, I'm happy with that. All right. All right. Cool. All right. Now this one's from the 406 area code. Oh, I know that one. That's Ohio. Ohio. All right. And as soon as this does its job, he'll be live. Here he is. Nope, it's Montana. Montana. <laughs> I knew that. You know what? I knew that. I have two questions for you. The first one, I've developed a vibration. I don't know if it's partly due to my load. Um, 55, 60 miles an hour, I'm getting a vibration that I'm feeling coming up through the floor. I can drive out of it at 63 miles an hour. I'm wondering, I don't know if it might be partly due to my load. If I have uh, worn shocks on the drive, would I be getting a vibration from that at that speed? It's possible. I want some more characteristics of the vibration, though. You say it vibrates as you go up through the speed. Does it come in again as you go down through that speed? No, it pretty much is just right there through that 55, 60, 61 mile an hour range. If I bring myself up to 63, it goes away. It's perfectly smooth. If I let it slow back down to 60, 61, it comes back. And it feels like an, like an out-of-balance to me, like similar to like a tire out-of-balance on a car. But I'm feeling it and, through the seat and through the floorboard. And that could very well be what you've got. You may have an imbalance in your drive tires. It could be an imbalance in the drums. Or it could be a driveline angle. All three of those are possibilities. Okay, driveline angle may be the more likely because, like I said, it just appeared. But I did blow a uh, pinion seal on my rear drive that I just had to have the pinion seal replaced. A couple, three days ago. Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely a driveline vibration, but remember, your tires are the last part of the driveline. And that okay. speed range is a, is a good speed range for that kind of a, a balance or harmonic vibration to show up. Okay. And I do notice it seems to be worse because I've been up here running across Montana and Washington. If I've got a lot of side wind, I don't know if this makes a lot of sense, but if I have more side wind, it seems to be per- more pronounced. When the wind does lay down, it seems to smooth out a little bit. When the wind is pushing on your side, you're leaning your trailer over and you're depressing the airbags on one side, which is putting a twist in the axle. Okay. So I will We're, get the I will get a check to make sure my ride height is set properly. Uh, that's one question. Go ahead. My other question is as far as tire rotation. At what point do I not need to worry about the directionalness of tires? Well, there's only one company that's currently producing a tire that is, quote, directional, and that's Michelin. And which, I've got is a bulletin I, from, which is what I've got. And I've got a bulletin from Michelin that says that the only directionality they have in their tire is designed to reduce the onset of irregular wear. It doesn't have anything to do with safety or handling or anything else. Once you've run... 20% of the tread depth, you have hardened the tire up enough that the onset of a regular wear is already taken care of. So I recommend you put them on in the correct direction. Which I and did. When you, and then when your steer tires 
If you measure your steer tires, one steer tire will tend to wear one or two thirty seconds faster than the other. When you have that kind of difference, whatever mileage that is, 50,000, 60,000, whatever, it's time to rotate your two steers side to side without worrying about the direction anymore. Your drive tires, the rear axle will wear 25% faster than the front axle. So when you're four thirty seconds more worn on the rear diff, it's time to X-rotate your drive tires, rims and all. And it doesn't matter on the directionless of the tire? Nope, not a bit. Okay. Not at that like, point. My, my steer tires, I've never rotated them, and they're actually wearing nice and smooth. I've got, in fact, I just measured them today because I had an inspection done. I'm 12.30 seconds on the steer or on the uh, left side, 11.30 seconds on the right side, and right. I've got 180,000 miles on them. And I, haven't, I have not yeah. touched them since I put them on. Ain't broke, don't fix it. True. Well, exactly. And my drive tires, like I said, I was more concerned about getting as much out wear out of my drive. So I got the X1 uh, D-Line Energies. And I wasn't yeah. sure because these are the first super singles I've ran that were directional. Mm-hmm. Well, measure the tread depth between your front and your rear diff. If they're still even, just leave them alone. But if the rear one's wearing faster and you're down to 430 seconds difference between your front and back, it's time to axle. And I will tell you, they're wearing actually pretty even. Uh, my drives are uh, on the front axle, it's 20 on the left, 21 on the right. Rear axle, it's 20 on the left, 22 on the right. Go ahead. It's hard to get it more even than that front to back. So, okay. I'm pretty so alone. Just wait, wait till there's four or five, 30 seconds, and then cross or do an X rotation. Correct. Correct. Okay. I can do that, then. That was my only question. Thank you. Have a good day. All right. Awesome. Okay. He's, uh, that's three down. Now we got, uh, well, this one, I'm assuming he's right next door because this isn't the 406 area code. This is the 405 area code. So I'm going with North Dakota. What do you think? Florida. What's that again? Florida. Well, uh, let's find out what it really is. Yeah, 405 is uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, my question is, is uh, I have uh, super singles, and when I uh, take my hand and see how smooth the tires are. When I do it toward the front of the cab, it's nice and smooth. But when I put my hand on the tire and I, I rub it backwards, it's like uh, um, like a washboard. What, what mm-hmm. would cause that? That happens in all drive tires, whether they're super singles or duals. It's engine oh. torque twisting the lugs as they go through the footprint and toe pattern. That's the reason, one of the reasons we X-rotate tires to get them off of the slow-wearing axle on the front and onto the fast-wearing axle on the back so they can even out as a set. And we X them so they run in the opposite direction to take the heel and toe out. Gotcha. Okay. All righty. And I was, yeah, that answers that question. I, I only caught the part of a question. On the airbags, 
I have they're they're crooked. Mm-hmm. And uh, is it okay like that, or should I straighten them up? Go ahead and talk to him, Kevin. Uh, I I really couldn't hear what he was saying. Okay, I'll answer it then. When the airbags are tilted in on the bottom, closer together, it's indicating on a Freightliner that the U-bolts are getting loose and that hockey okay. stick-shaped leaf spring is sliding toward itself. So what we recommend is you loosen just a little bit more, put between the and back out where they're supposed to be, and then tighten them up. Okay, and gotcha. 50 Okay. All righty, sir. That's the only questions I had. I sure appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks for calling. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. So it's back down to just you and I. And I got to tell you, Mike, uh, I don't hear hardly anything you're saying, and I don't hear hardly anything anybody else saying either. I'm not sure if it's because of the Skype thing or if it's because of my internet connection, but I'm understanding what people are saying most of the time. Well, I tell you what, we're going to listen to this recording, and if we don't like it, we're going to dump it again. And this may be and we track co-hosts. Okay, well... I, again, I'm not sure it's Skype. I think it might be the internet connection here after that apart, since that apartment building's gone in. Because I've done the speed test and it's just awfully low. Okay, all right. How, how long have we been on the air? Because I don't have a good time on this. Hour. So uh, now, right now, there aren't any. There isn't anybody with a question in the queue. But uh, uh, if anybody does have a question, they can. They can certainly. We can answer it if you press one on your uh, phone, um, but don't press it twice because it'll take you right up back out of the queue. <clears throat> so and, we do have another we, question. How long have we right? been on the air, Kev? Uh, just out of half hour. And we've okay, got two so more questions need- that have come in, and if you can hear them fine, then we'll go ahead and record it. I can hear them. Let's go ahead. We'll lose two. I got 608. Uh, and let's get to that one. Uh, where do you think it's from, Mike? Uh, hello there. Hey, how you doing? Six oh eight, Southern Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, I'll skip two jumps from Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> hey, up? anyhow, Mike, I got a question for you. I got a. 2010 Great Dane uh, 53 foot closed ham trailer. It's got a shield grease, the grease bearings, not the oil bath, but the seal. And three of the four were loose. Mm-hmm. What is the recommendation on that? I had a Sat Brothers out in Clearfield, PA today, tightened, took the grease cap off and tightened up the outer bearing. Mm-hmm. And they backed up, they, they put them, I know you were talking about it before, because I listened to your show before. And he put them at 200 foot-pounds, backed it off, put it to 100, and then backed it off a quarter turn. And, and they left the grease again. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and filled the, filled the grease cap up with, uh, with grease because there wasn't a whole lot of grease on that outer, that outer cap. Right. Which they probably did, right? What's that? They probably did the adjustment with the wheels on. They didn't yep. take the wheels and drums off, right? 
No, yeah, they did wheels on up in the air on jack stamps. Okay. <laughs> and do you know if these are tapered bearings or parallel bearings? I want to say because I kind of seen them. I I think they were a tapered bearing. Because I kind of I got well, they were messing around. I kind of stuck my head down there and took, took a kind of look. Yeah. Okay. When you tighten a tapered bearing, you're pushing those two tapered bearings together, and you're physically lifting up the hub, drums, tires, and rims, and centering them on the bearings. Two tires, two rims, a drum, and a hub weigh about 550 pounds. Right. So when you tighten it in, you're picking that much weight up, and if they tighten it to 50 foot-pounds, they just barely picked up 500 pounds of weight. They didn't get to zero. And when they backed okay. off a quarter turn, they just backed off 21 thousandths, and they left between 20 and 30 thousandths loose, and they're supposed to be less than five thousandths. Ah, okay? all right, all right. So the when I get back, back to Wisconsin, i got to jack this thing up and rip tires off it. Well, you don't know. You don't need to take it off. You just need to know what to set it if you have the weight on and what you have to set it if you have an empty hub. There's two different settings you can use. So right. if you take the wheels and the drums off, I would tighten them to 25 foot-pounds and do not back them off. You're just okay. picking up a light. If I've got the duels on there, I'll tighten it to 75 foot-pounds and not back it off. Okay. I'm not preloading anything. I'm just picking up weight. Okay. Now, I did notice this thing had some sort of a plastic, like a, some sort of a little clip that went over the spindle that was between the grease, the oil hub or the grease hub and the nut. With a yellow kind of a hat, like a funky looking clip that this thing had on it. All four corners had them on it. This was a single nut instead of a double nut, right? Yep. Okay. That was a pro torque nut and that was the lock ring. There you go. That's what they called it, pro torque. Since it's a single nut, on a double nut, if you tighten it to 75 and you put the outer nut on it, when you jam the outer nut down, it moves the inner nut a little more and you pick up some more torque. Okay? Okay. With the single nut, you don't have that additional torque. So on a single nut, instead of 75 foot-pounds, I tighten them to 90 and then put the clip ring in. Okay. And don't back them off. Don't back them off. With the the tires and drum, the hub and tires, rims and tires on. Okay. Correct. All right. Well, I'll remember that one, Mike. I greatly appreciate your immense knowledge. Well, we're glad to help you. Every time. Cool. Cool. <laughs> what are you doing? So, all, right. all right. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome. All right. Okay. Uh, and that was 608. That was Southern Wisconsin. And here, this one is 417. 417. 417. Missouri. Missouri. All right, we'll go with Missouri. Uh, hey, this is Kevin. Where are you from? Hello, uh, I'm uh, from Conway, Missouri. I got, you got one it. right. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for all you do. First, uh, quick question: I was developing a little bit of river wear on the outside rib of my left steer tire. And uh, so such a small amount that uh, you could just barely feel it, but I could feel it. 
And so I started watching it, and it didn't get any worse. And then that was about three months ago. And then over time, it has disappeared. Everything is all back to even and working good now. And that just really puzzled me because in the past, once it starts, it always just continues to get worse. But this time, it went away. You can have a quick explanation for that. Well, the first suggestion I would have was that for a short period of time, that tire was running just a little bit low on air, five, maybe six pounds, and then scared it up. Is that possible? Um, I'm not going to say it's not possible, but I haven't, uh, I haven't changed the air pressure. Yeah, I run 115 pounds in all the tires on the truck. Okay. And as far as I know, that's what it's always been and still is. Okay, so you never had to go add air sometime when you're having a service done? No. Okay, all right. That would be my first suspicion. The second thing is that even a blind squirrel finds an acorn once in a while. <laughs> yep. So I don't have any really good explanation, but I like to hear once in a while that a tire can start going bad and then straighten itself out. I think that's good. Oh, I, it really puzzled me because in the past, like I said, once it starts, it only gets worse, and right. it has gone away completely. I can't find anywhere on the tire that's irregular at all. Well, we won't talk about what brand tire is and how good it is because they might swell their heads up. <laughs> uh, well, it's the same brand that I've always used on this truck, and I'm very happy with it. But, well, that's good. I'm glad. Um, and well, another quick question, if if, if you could just, uh, on uh, adjusting the bearings. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I haven't checked that in, I don't know, five years. And mm-hmm. so I thought uh, maybe I should uh, just take take them off and check them. I mean, everything's working fine, but uh, uh, you have a quick recommendation on how to adjust steer axle bearings. Yeah, I have a quick recommendation in your particular case. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. <laughs> well, I like that. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I look, All right. for symptoms. I look for symptoms before I take something apart. The first symptom of a bearing is you start getting cupping in the tires. The second symptom, if you're having a bearing problem, is when you pull the oil cap and you stick your finger in there, there's going to be some metal flake on the oil that comes out on your finger. Then you take it apart. Uh-huh. Okay. Right, and I put my sheet vibe bearing in it. How do you say those? I don't know if I'm in a bad spot, but uh, I'm really, uh, uh, you're breaking up really bad. I'm, I might have even lost you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, we've been having a, I've been having these difficulties this whole time, but I can't imagine it's too bad because we've got a, quite a few callers, and if it was as bad as I'm hearing, that would have hung up a long time ago. So, uh, well, I can hear you fine. I mean, you're coming through perfect. You can, it, I, and that's great. Unfortunately, I can't hear anybody else, so I'm. It's a mixed blessing. Uh, Mike, fortunately, everybody seems to be hearing him because uh, I can barely even tell what he's talking about, but people have been satisfied with his answers. So, <laughs> I, I was okay. hearing him just fine, and then just for about 10 or 15 seconds there, he was a really bad reverberation. Okay, well, let me, echo, let and me, then, let me try Let me try to describe again the, the three things I look for in a bearing before I take it apart. Number one, if there's no cupping, I'm leaving it alone. Number two, if I pull the oil plug out and I dip my finger in the oil and there's no metal flake or any sign contamination, I leave it alone. Number three, I spin the front tire nice and fast and put my fingers on the air brake chamber. If the bearing is pitted, it'll vibrate in the fingers, and then I have to take it apart. Oh, if I yeah. yeah. If I don't see any of those things, I'm not taking it apart. Okay. Now that that last one there was uh, unfamiliar to me. That that's good to know. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, that's that's great. You you answered my question. Good deal. You have a great day. All right. Thank sure. you. Bye. Thank you for calling. Okay. And let's see. We've got uh, two more. One. This next one is from the three one three area code. Your guess, Mike? Ohio. You're really, there's a lot of area codes in Ohio, but I'm going to go with Pennsylvania because we never say that one. All right. Uh, hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, yes, sir. This is uh, I'm calling from Detroit, Michigan. Michigan. Uh, Edward. Um, I've got a I've got a few questions about uh, I'm looking to get new uh, steer tires and drive tires. I've got a question about rolling resistance on uh, a specific brand that I want to get. Oh, hello. Uh, hello. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, say that. Yeah. Yeah, I can. Yeah, it's breaking up pretty. I can. I can hear you, but uh, it's breaking up pretty bad. Okay, can you hear me? Yep, yes, sir. I can hear you. Okay, good. I'm an alignment guy. My job is to make tires wear flat and smooth and drive a long ways and handle right. Right. I don't know okay. nothing about the rolling resistance. Okay. All right. Okay? Yes, sir. You bet. You have yourself a good day. All right. Okay, Michigan. Not Ohio. Michigan, but we've got one. three is Michigan. We'll remember that. And the 301 area code is next. What do you think that one is? Idaho. Did you say Ohio again? Uh, All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go with Indiana. Are you there? Yeah, you could all be talking and I don't hear anything. Uh, well, hello. 
Is this here? Nobody. Yeah, I don't hear anybody either. Okay. How long have we been on the air? 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Yeah. Calls done. Say that again? Maybe I can hear you now. I can you hear me? Mm. Unless you're in a well, I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> all right. We're, we're at 45 minutes into this. Uh, I apologize for the technical difficulty. I hope everybody has had a, a good show. Um, it sounded okay, what I heard. <laughs> um, Let's wrap uh, this it, up. We'll listen to the playback and decide if we're going to keep this one or if we're going to dump it and try it again. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, or what else we're going to have to do. Okay. All right. Thank you, folks, for calling in. I hope we helped some of you out. Have yourselves a good evening. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Rolling Toe. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.